Teachings that do not speak of pain have no meaning, because humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return. In alchemy, to obtain something, something of equal value must be lost. This is Equivalent Exchange. Welcome to Equivalent Exchange, a podcast about Fullmetal Alchemist by Hiromu Aokawa. I'm Kayla. I'm Ellen. And I'm Kazum. And today we're going to be talking about chapters 48 and 49. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're the next ones. Because <laughs> they're the next ones. <laughs> That's good. Today we're talking about chapters uh, 32 and 75. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Unexpected. <laughs> You're one crazy lady. <laughs> <laughs> to keep everyone on their toes. Yeah. It's like a choose-your-own-adventure FMA. Yeah. <laughs> if you think Ed should punch him in the face, <laughs> turn to chapter 72. <laughs> so we're going to do our uh, summary recap and our chit-chat. And, yeah, I was going to say, then some banter, right? Yes. <laughs> All right, good. I'm ready. Our chit-chat uh, disguised as discussion. <laughs> <laughs> and then also a musical reference, also an outdated joke. <laughs> also probably a Scott Pilgrim reference. <laughs> yes. You never know. The good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I'm ready. Right. I guess. There's probably horrible dismemberment this time, too. <laughs> there usually is. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, we got that, well, somewhat of self-mutilation going on, too. Oh, yeah. Well. Yeah. It was a be. sacrifice that she had to make. <laughs> oh, I wasn't even talking about that. I was talking about gluttony. Oh. That, that can't be healthy, what he does. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly not healthy for everyone around him. Yeah. <laughs> so chapter 48 opens right after the successful capture of gluttony. I kept my promise, Ling says, with his foot planted on top of him as his regeneration swells against the cable. A homunculus. Scar is pretty confused at this sudden turn in the fight, but he doesn't have much time to think about it before Risa, dressed down in civilian clothes, comes skidding into the train yard in a car. She fires a few shots at Scar, and one bullet goes right through his thigh, sending him staggering down to his knees. Risa shouts for Ling to hurry and get in the car, and with a bit of a struggle, he heaves Gluttony on board and climbs in after. Though it takes a second for them to recognize her with the glasses and with her hair down, Ed and Al both start to call Teresa as she drives away, but she shushes them, and Ed catches on. The military police are watching. Pretend like you don't know her, he says to Al. I may not like the colonel, but I do trust him. We'll just have to wait for him to fill us in. In the meantime, they turn their attention back to Scar, who is trying to limp away from the battlefield in the confusion. Ed stops him by punching him right in the face with his automail hand. <laughs> it seems a little bit like overkill. Yeah, I mean, he feels like he needs to bring it in a little bit with the metal hand, but whatever. I don't know. Scar can explode people, so yeah, it's a fair fight. <laughs> I just feel like you could have stopped him with uh, less than that. <laughs> He's he is grievously wounded. He could have done mm -hmm. something else. Yeah. Scar tries to retaliate, but he's significantly less mobile now with his gunshot wound, and Ed now prepared to take him down. But as they very shonenly proclaim that this is for the rock bells. <laughs> <laughs> Shonen Leah, Shonen Leah. It is now. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Mei Chang and Tiny Panda suddenly comes <laughs> flying into the scene to deliver a hard kick to Al's side, then knock Ed down too while he's trying to process what just happened. <laughs> Are you all right, Mr. Scar? She calls out, taking a defensive stance. She points accusingly at Ed. What do you think you're doing to the man who saved my life, you tiny little man? <laughs> well, Ed sputters in anger. The military police close in and try to get the small child away from the known serial killer. <laughs> Uh-oh, looks like I'm outnumbered. I must retreat for now, May says. She quickly throws her knives into both the water tower and a nearby cart of coal, then performs her long-distance alkahestry, triggering an explosive wave of smoke and steam that covers the battlefield. May helps Scar as they make their escape, and Ed cries out in anger. 
Meanwhile, Risa is speeding through the city with the homunculus and the twelfth prince of Shing in her car. Which sounds like the beginning of a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and also in her like quote unquote disguise that's completely yeah. recognizable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the um the Superman uh, theory of <laughs> <Yeah>. disguises. <laughs> she's different with glasses, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. She tells Ling that she heard about everything from Breda and that she's taking them directly to their hideout now. Please wait, we must pick up my comrade first, Ling insists. Risa says they don't have time for that, but Ling continues, Please, if we don't help her, she'll die. She's waiting for my return. Just make it quick, Risa says, turning the car. They drive past the Fuhrer on their way, and his inhuman eyesight allows him to clearly see both even at the speed they're traveling. Hmm, that looks like Mustang's pet dog, he thinks to himself. He smiles darkly. This is the last straw, young fool. Elsewhere, the Scar Gang have tucked themselves into an empty alley, with Yoki remarking that all the routes he's checked are crawling with military police, so they should stay put until things calm down. Scar doesn't seem super happy about this, but it doesn't have much of a choice, what with the bleeding and all. <laughs> Speaking of which, May comes over and starts setting up her knives in a circle around the bullet wound, telling Scar that she's going to stop the bleeding when he asks what she's doing. And with a quick flash of light from the transmutation, the wound is closed. Amazing, Yoki says. With skills like that, you never need a doctor. But May protests that she can't heal everything. Just like the flow of power in the earth she uses for her alchemy, the body also has a flow, and she can't do anything where the flow has stopped, or if someone loses a limb. She then starts talking enthusiastically about the combination of alkahestry and alchemy symbols making up Scar's tattoo, which seems to go right over Yoki's head. Scar also isn't really listening. He looks down at his arm and remembers the confrontation with Winry, the pain and grief and anger in her eyes. Do my eyes look like that too? He wonders. No matter how far I travel down this road, will hatred only give birth to more hatred? A nearby siren then catches everyone's attention, and they realize the police are getting close and they need to move on. Come, Xiaomei, let's... But she trails off as she realizes the little panda is nowhere to be found. No! Oh, no. Mei, it turns out, is with Al, who picked her up on the battlefield because she was all alone and cute and tiny and helpless. <laughs> Ed, in the backseat of the military car with his brother, strongly protests this new acquisition, a feeling which only grows stronger after Mei chomps down on his finger. <laughs> Get rid of that monster, he screams. Throw it out the window. Do it now. That's mean, big brother. <laughs> Mei then tries to bite Al, but he, of course, doesn't feel it. It's okay, little one, he says serenely as she chomps. It doesn't hurt. You're safe now. <laughs> and the taken aback Xiaomei is forced to contend with the new being at the top of her personal pecking order. <laughs> I like how it's also like a food pyramid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> also, there's like like protozoans in like one level that are like above Ed and Yogi. And Yogi. <laughs> Good yeah, judgment. Exactly. Yes. Xiaomei <laughs> is the most real character, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hashtag relatable. Yeah. <laughs> the boys then arrive at what appears to be the military police HQ. Al tucks Xiaomei safely away in his armor, and they follow an officer down the hall. He leads them to a room where Winry is waiting. Seated across the table from Fuhrer Bradley. <gasps> with the shark! <laughs> yes. <laughs> he greets them with a super suspicious smile, and Ed stutteringly asks what he's doing there. When I was questioning the military police about the disturbance in the city, they informed me that a childhood friend of yours was being held in protective custody, he says. As a close friend of an important member of our organization, I had to give her special treatment. He stands up and gives a slight bow to Winry, telling her that he'll be on his way now that her friends are here. She's a good girl. Take care of her, he says to Ed on his way out. Ed asks Winry what they talked about, and she says that she only told the fear of casual stuff about them being friends since childhood. Ed, how long have you known about mom and dad, she asks. Keep your promise and tell me everything. A little later, the three of them are being driven back to their hotel by an officer, all sitting in a sad, thoughtful silence in the car. We get a short flashback to the end of their conversation earlier. So mom and dad continue to help people until the very end, Winry says. I feel better now, and I'm really proud that they're my mom and dad. 
but I wish more than anything that they could have come home alive. Back in the present, Winry looks out the car window and thinks about how hard and scary it is to wait. When they arrive at the hotel, the man at the front desk tells Winry that they're just in time because there's a call for her. It's Mr. Garfield telling Winry that he's been trying to handle everything there himself, but your customers just won't leave me alone. And we see that he's surrounded by people asking when Winry will be back to work on their automail. A few of them pass the phone around to tell her that their leg just works better when she does the adjustments, and that they're looking forward to the lighter casing she promised to make them, and that things just aren't the same there without her. I'm sorry, I'll be back right away, Winry promises as a tear runs down her cheek. I'll do my best. Thank you. We transition over to the train station, where Ed and Al are seeing Winry off as she finally heads back to Rush Valley. She assures them that she'll be fine on her own and that Mr. Garfield will be meeting her at the station when she arrives. Then she pauses. About earlier, thanks for stopping me, she says. I guess I have people who are waiting for me to come back too. If I'd done that, I wouldn't have ever been able to show my face to those people. The scene cuts over to the hospital where Havoc's mother has just come in with his discharge forms. To her surprise, she finds him working out using those little squeezy grip trainer things. <laughs> You didn't want to Google what it's called? <laughs> I think they're called grip trainers. Grip trainer. like, <laughs> everything is called a grip trainer. Like, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, it's those little things. They got like squeezy ha grip a handle trainer. on each side and you squeeze them. Yeah, yeah it's got a spring. It's yeah. good for your finger strength and whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he tells her that Breda gave them to him and he's doing some muscle training. Your wounds haven't even completely closed yet, she protests. A good friend told me that retirement doesn't suit me. And my superior told me to hurry up and catch up with him, Havoc says. What a bunch of jerks, eh? Even when I'm down, they won't let me off the hook. She asks if this means he's not going to retire from the military, but he says that he is. In his current condition, he'd just be a hindrance. I can catch up with them even if I'm not in the military, he says, continuing to squeeze on the grip trainers. His mother gives a small smile. It won't be easy, Jean. The doctor said the road to recovery will be long and painful. I can do it, Havoc says simply. Back at the train station, Winry says, I haven't completely come to terms with what happened to Mom and Dad, but everyone's waiting for me, so... And then, both Havoc and Winry finish. With everyone's help, I'll pull through. A little bit later, Winry has boarded her train and is talking with Ed now through the window. She reminds Ed to keep up with his automail maintenance and promises to send some good polishing oil soon for Al. Don't die on me, she says with a worried look, and Ed and Al both quickly agree to that promise. The train station attendant blows his whistle and the train gets ready to depart. Next time, Ed begins to say, but the chugging of the train coming to life drowns him out. What? I can't hear you, Winry says. But Ed has apparently lost his nerve, and he turns silently and begins to walk away. Al hurries to say his goodbyes and follow after his brother, but Winry pushes. Wait, Ed, what did you say? I couldn't hear you. And Ed stops. He turns sharply around, an almost aggressively determined look on his face. And then he shouts across the platform. The next time I make you cry, there'll be tears of joy. Al and I will get our bodies back no matter what, and we'll make you so happy that you'll cry. You can count on it. Winry is surprised for a moment, then gives a wide laughing smile and waves an acknowledgement of his declaration. She smiles to herself as she watches Al teasing Ed over how sweet that was, <laughs> and she finds herself remembering some specific moments with Ed through her childhood. Him confidently, stating that, him confidently saying that he's going to become a state alchemist and that he'll recover from automail surgery in only one year. The day they burned down the Alric house, the boys leaving after their last stop in Risenbool. And then, with growing realization, Ed throwing himself in front of her during the confrontation with Scar. Ah, his back, she thinks, as she watches him now walking away beside Al. She settles back into her seat with a slight blush. Oh, I see. Maybe I've been in love with him since a long time ago. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs>
Also, I think you could describe Ed as shonenly shouting that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just saying. Yeah. Although he's like halfway across the platform and just turns and <laughs> screams it and like people are looking at him. <laughs> <laughs> but it's super cute. If you were in a train station shouting to your love interest, the next time I make you cry, there'll be tears of joy. Of course everyone would scream. Would stare at you. It'd be great. Outside the station, Roy pulls up in a car and wraps his knuckles on the door to get Ed and Elle's attention. They get into the car, and Roy tells them that they probably shouldn't go back to the hotel since it's absolutely crawling with military police, and they definitely won't let them leave again. That's right, we let Scar get away, Ed apparently just remembers. <laughs> and Al complains mm. that they'll probably try to stick them with bodyguards again. Ed then asks what happened to the homunculus, and Roy tells them that Hawkeye took it to an empty house outside the city, where they're heading to right now. Ed now asks if he should really be driving, since he's still recovering from his injuries. I'm running short on pawns that I can move, he says, so I have no choice but to move myself. You don't have a lot of allies, do you? Maybe you're not very popular, <laughs> it says. <laughs> and Roy gripes that he doesn't need to hear that from him. <laughs> Roy then tells them that they have to pick someone up on the way. That someone happens to be our favorite grumpy coroner, Dr. Knox. <laughs> <laughs> he does look very he's my grumpy favorite about grumpy it. coroner, anyway. He's, yeah. <laughs> he's like my new favorite tertiary character in the story. <laughs> mm -hmm. Dr. Knox, who looks a tad displeased to find Roy waiting outside his house when he gets home. There's a seriously injured person. I need a doctor, Roy tells him when he asks what he's doing there. There are plenty of doctors in the city, Knox says. Ask someone else. I can't risk being found out. I need someone I can trust. Knox sighs. So you drag me back into your dirty business? You always were a bastard. I could say the same about you, my old accomplice, Roy says. Look, we both know I could make you do this, but I know you have a family. If you really can't get away right now, I'll understand. Knox hesitates for a moment, then opens the door to his house. Wait here, I'll get my equipment. Roy seems a little surprised by his agreement, but Knox explains, I don't mind. I got divorced right after I came back from Ishval. Later that night, they've all arrived at the hideout, and Knox reacts to his patient with his usual charm. She walked through the sewers after cutting off her own arm? Don't blame me if you get tetanus. <laughs> he rolls up his sleeves and warns Lanfon that he might be a bit rough since all he's worked on lately is corpses, then asks Risa to help hold her shoulders still. Outside the makeshift operating room, Ling is sitting against the wall, looking solemn as he listens to it all. Ed and Al approach, looking uneasy, and Ed starts to apologize, but Ling rejects that before he can get too far. You do us both a disservice, he says. It was I who approached you with this plan, and I did so to benefit myself, not out of charity. I don't need your guilt or your pity. I left my country knowing that a certain amount of sacrifice would be necessary if I was going to find the secret to immortality. He pauses for a moment. Yes. With the fate of my clan weighing on my shoulders, I thought I had enough conviction. But I was wrong. I was too naive. Lanfon had much more conviction than I do. A little later, Lanfon is recovering from the procedure. Edna will lean over as she opens her eyes and asks if there's anything they can get her. A mechanical arm, she says weakly, looking at Ed. In this country, you have a thing called automail, do you not? Now that I've lost my arm, I shall need a new one in order to serve my prince. Ed takes hold of his automail wrist. I'll introduce you to a good engineer, he promises, and Lanfon smiles. Outside the room, Roy approaches Ling. He praises Lanfon's strength, and the two of them introduce themselves to each other. Ling thanks him for bringing the doctor, and Roy thanks him for his help with the Maria Ross incident. And they both agree that being on good terms with a Prince of Shin slash Colonel of the Amestrian military might be beneficial in the future. But the biggest prize of all is, Roy says, and they both turn their attention to where Gluttony is stashed nearby still straining against the metal cable binding him. Knox wanders by and asks what the heck that thing is, and Roy explains that it's a homunculus with a philosopher's stone in its center, and that you have to keep killing it until it stays dead. 
Am I stupid? Or are you crazy? Nox asks in disbelief. <laughs> Roy explains further about the nature of the Philosopher's Stone and homunculi as Ed and Al walk over and join the group. And he ends with the fact that it's all somehow connected to military high command and Hughes' death. High command? It goes further than that, Ling says. King Bradley, I think he too might be a homunculus. Everyone reacts with expected disbelief to this, so Ling adds, Under his patch, I saw their mark on his eye. He and Gluttony had us cornered. They wonder how he could be a homunculus without his family or his aides noticing anything. Ling says that he has the presence of a normal human, unlike the inhuman sense he can feel from the others. According to the text, a homunculus lacks the ability to reproduce. But the Fuhrer has a child, doesn't he? Al points out. Uh-huh. But his son Salem was adopted, Knox says. The Fuhrer doesn't have any biological children of his own. Everyone lets the horror sink in for a moment, then Roy smiles grimly. Monster or human being, either way, this makes it easier for me to drag him off his throne. He turns his attention back to the homunculus at hand. First, I'll get some information out of Gluttony, and if it can be removed, I'll take the Philosopher's Stone as well. Then I might be able to use it to heal Havoc. Ling quickly jumps in to protest this plan. This is our only lead to immortality, and Lanfon lost her arm for it. I must take Gluttony back to Shen immediately. And now then also jump in with their own plans, and everyone begins bickering. Unfortunately, someone says the word Mustang during this argument, and Gluttony recognizes this as the name of the man who killed Lust. He begins to bulge and strain more strongly against the cable, muttering angrily about Mustang. A chemic light begins to spark over him, and a horrifying toothed void with a familiar eye at its center begins to appear on his body. And with a deafening sound, a chunk of the house and the ground around it violently disappears. <gasps> Cliffhanger. Except not, because we're in the next chapter. <laughs> <laughs> when I read it, I was like, oh no! Did something happen to Risa? No! I love her too much for anything to happen to her, for her to get sucked into a black hole coming out mm -hmm. of a homunculus. <laughs> it's a terrible fate. <laughs> I I think it is especially compared to a lot of other things that happened yeah. to people yeah. in this story. <laughs> I don't know. I was probably up there. If I had to rank the horrible deaths and dismemberments, getting into suction into Gluttony's Void might be a problem. <laughs> Chapter 49 opens with the Fuhrer walking through the halls of his house at night. From behind one of the doors, a strange voice calls out, Wrath. Pride, he responds. I hear that Scar has escaped. Yes, Wrath confirms, and in addition, Gluttony has been captured. Pride isn't very happy to hear this. What went wrong, they ask. You need to do better than that. Lately, they've been making a mockery of you. It's not like you to be so lax. Wrath calmly agrees, and Pride observes that he seems pretty calm about all of this. I don't deny that, he says. I find it all somewhat amusing. So many unforeseen turns, our plans falling apart, and you find it amusing? Pride demands. Precisely, Wrath says. Sixty years ago, from the day I was born, I was locked into the life path of King Bradley. And now I'm sitting at the top of this country, just as Father planned. No one ever got in my way, because Father always got rid of them. A script was provided for me, and I've lived my life according to it. So you're saying that something has happened to drive you from that path? Pride asks. Wrath smiles to himself. Colonel Mustang, the Elric brothers, the foreigners. These youngsters have us running in circles. Us, the supposedly crafty ones. The time of the youth may soon be approaching, Pride. Wrath, you've been among humans for too long. Perhaps you're right, Wrath says, looking a bit wistful. Don't forget, Pride warns him. We are the beings that those humans call monsters. Wrath scowls. I know that. I will not report this conversation to Father, even though your words could be interpreted as mutinous. Wrath laughs and dryly says that's kind of Pride. Pride then asks what they're going to do about Gluttony, and Wrath says that he knows his approximate location. He was taken by First Lieutenant Hawkeye, 
In addition, Colonel Mustang went to inspect the city during the day and apparently still hasn't returned. Meanwhile, deep in the homunculized tunnels, we see where Marco is being held, in a big metal room under guard by a pair of dog-like Camaros. Envy enters the room with a tray of honestly pretty decent-looking food. It's steaming. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Chili's uh, sizzling entree. <laughs> it's like fajitas, <laughs> is that what you're saying? <laughs> Although, who knows what kind of meat it is? I mean, there's a bunch of random like animals down there. Like, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, it's meat. It's, it's definitely meat. It's something, yeah. <laughs> Envy then tists over the fact that Marco hasn't even touched his previous meal. That's no good. You're a candidate to be our human sacrifice. You need to stay healthy. Marco ignores this. I've been doing a lot of thinking, he says. I don't care about my own life, but what do you plan to use me for? That's a secret, Envy says with a grin. They take a seat at the table beside the untouched plates of food. Don't worry, just keep doing what we say and you'll get a front row seat to something really interesting. Interesting, Marco says, clenching his hands together. You're trying to use the people in this country to make an enormous philosopher's stone. I've seen what you bastards are doing. You're creating a transmutation circle that covers a mistress. And when it's done, you'll sacrifice everyone inside it to make the Philosopher's Stone. We see Marco's thoughts, a transmutation circle superimposed over a map of the country. And the next point in the circle to see blood will be the north. Envy looks surprised by all this, then gives a menacing grin. Ha, nice try. You're so close. Close, Marco says. And Envy confirms that he is right about the north being next. You figured that part out, but you're not in any position to do anything about it. Not that you've ever been one to do anything, they taunt. When your village was threatened with annihilation, you knew that the people of this country were in danger, but you didn't take action, right? If you had weighed the costs, it would have been an easy decision. The population of this country against the population of the village where you were a doctor. It's obvious which one is greater. If you turned your back on that tiny village, you might have been able to save so many more people. You can't measure the worth of a person's life with addition and subtraction, Marco snaps. Envy laughs in delight. Yes, that's how you humans think. They pick up the knife from the tray of food and twirl it in their hand. I killed a man a while back who thought like that too. When I disguised myself as his wife, he couldn't react in time and lost his chance to strike. They turn the knife and stab it sharply down into the steak on the plate. You're all so easy to manipulate, human. Marco stares at Envy in horror, but there's something even more shocking in store for him as Fuhrer Bradley enters the room. It's been a long time. I'm glad to see that you're well, he greets Marco politely, ignoring the way the other man is gaping at him in disbelief. He turns to Envy and tells him about Gluttony being captured by Mustang's crew. What gives, old man? I thought you said you'd take care of the flame colonel, Envy demands. And where was Pride? I thought he was supposed to help you. He wasn't at the scene when Gluttony was caught. Envy snarls. That bastard. He only shows himself when he's not needed. Wrath tells Envy that he knows generally where Gluttony is and that he wants Envy to go and get him. Sheesh, I guess I have no choice, Envy says irritably. I just hope he hasn't gone on a rampage. Meanwhile, at the side of the rampage, <laughs> Risa, who had gone outside to stand watch, is trying to figure out what happened. A circular chunk of the house is completely missing, the edge is cut clean, and a huge furrow has been gouged out of the ground in front of it. Colonel, she shouts, running toward the house, rifle at the ready, but from inside, Roy yells for her to stop. She skids to a halt just in time, as another burst of that strange energy shoots out, enveloping and dissolving the front half of her gun, stopping just shy of her fingers. She stares at it in disbelief, then turns her attention back to the crumbling house where the silhouette of gluttony has emerged. He's taken on a newly monstrous form, his wide open mouth now connecting directly to the open void of his stomach. Fang-like teeth become a horrible, twisting ribcage, and a huge eye glares out from in between the dripping bones. Risa drops her now useless rifle and draws a handgun, training it on gluttony, but a section of the house collapses before she can fire. 
Fortunately, we see that everyone there is okay, even Xiaomei, because <laughs> Al managed to shield everyone from the worst of the debris. <laughs> Xiaomei's attached to Roy's face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't provoke it, Lieutenant, Roy calls out. I'm the one it's after. And sure enough, Gluttony growls out, Mustang, and turns his attention back on him. The tooth-like ribs elongate and shoot forward, surrounding the alchemically sparking attack, and Roy and the rest of the group quickly run away. Ling darts inside the still-standing section of the house to pick up Lanfan, who asks him what's going on. The monster had another monster inside of its stomach, he says. It's swallowing everything in its path. Outside, Roy, Ed, and Al stare at Gluttony as the dust settles. Ed shudders. Is, is this the kind of monster alchemy can create? Roy digs his flint gloves out of his pocket and prepares to fight back. We have no choice, he says. I'm going to kill it. Wait, a life homunculus is just what we wanted, right? Al says. Roy says that their survival comes first. Plus, it knows our names and faces. We can't risk letting this thing escape alive. He snaps his fingers to ignite his flame alchemy. The fire rushes toward Gluttony, then gets sucked into the void of his belly harmlessly. Ed, Al, and Roy stare. He swallowed the flames? <laughs> then Gluttony retaliates, and the three of them quickly flee. You're useless, Ed cries as they run, and Roy snaps. <laughs> then why don't you do something? And Al shows his hidden ruthless streak by asking Roy not to follow them, since Gluttony is only after him. <laughs> they plunge into the woods surrounding the house and then scatter, but Gluttony stays on Roy's tail. He seems to have him cornered for a moment, but is Risa to the rescue, jumping into fire at Gluttony with a gun in each hand. Gluttony staggers, his attack going wide, and Roy has the chance to flee again. But his still healing injury acts up, and he stumbles to his knees, clutching at his side. This is pathetic, he complains, breathing hard. Back at the house, Knox has jumped into the car and started it up, yelling for Ling and Lanfan to hurry up and get in. Whatever trouble you people have stirred up, I'm not about to lose my life over it. <laughs> Gluttony continues his pursuit. He spots Roy from behind, hunched over in pain, and launches what seems to be a direct hit. But it isn't Roy. It's a dummy transmuted out of the ground, with Roy's coat thrown over <laughs> it. As Gluttony rages in the distance, we see Ed and Al running toward the car, with Risa helping Roy along just behind them. Ed wonders if Gluttony fell for the dummy, and Al hopes it didn't put him in some kind of berserker rage. They make it to the car, and Ed rather aggressively helps Roy into the passenger seat, with a, Get in the car, you useless fool! While Risa gets in the back to look after Lanfan. Roy protests that they can't tell him to leave right now. You'll just be in my way, Ed shouts, and Al adds an annoyed, Please go! <laughs> <laughs> Risa agrees that he's in no condition to be any help, and Roy starts sulking over being called useless again. Ed gripes to himself for a moment, then actually reasons with him seriously. Look, there are things to be done that only a colonel can do, he says. The fact that the head of the military is a homunculus isn't something you can just ignore, is it? Knox cuts in that there's no time to chat about this and tells the boys to hurry up and get in the car. Ed, Al, and Ling all look at each other. Then Ed leads in the window with a smile. There's not enough room. Just go without us. Knox and Risa both loudly protest this. We can't abandon you kids here on the battlefield. The thing you seek isn't really a homunculus or a philosopher's stone, is it, Colonel Mustang? Ling says. So shouldn't you be battling the military high command? As for us, we still need to get some information out of that gluttony thing, Ed says, smiling confidently. We'll take care of him. The fact that we're kids is irrelevant. We're the ones who came up with this plan. It's up to us to clean up our own mess. They thank the adults for all their help, and no one seems to have a good argument. Instead, Risa silently loads her pistol and holds it out to Ed. Take this with you, she says. You know how to use it, don't you? Ed visibly recoils from the gun, and Al says, That's a tool for killing people. It's a tool for protecting yourselves, Risa insists, still offering it up. Ed looks down at it, deeply conflicted. He remembers telling Winry that her hands weren't meant for killing, then remembers her telling him not to die. He takes the gun. An explosion back in the forest catches their attention. 
Ling leans in to ask Risa to take care of Lanfan, and with Lanfan calling after him, the three of them run back into the fray. Roy quietly tells Knox to go, and Knox slams his fist on the steering wheel. Those idiot brats, trying to be so noble. It's people like that who die young. <laughs> Knox is cute because he cares. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just acts like an asshole to do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> As they drive back toward the city, Roy catches Risa up on the suspicion that the Fearer might be a homunculus. But I can't be sure unless I see it with my own eyes. So the one who gave the order for the fallen extermination campaign might not even be human, Knox asks. Roy puts a hand to his chin as he considers. If there are other homunculi living among us pretending to be human, that could be problematic. <laughs> it's more creepy than problematic, Knox says. And on the cliff above the street as they drive, a hellish-looking black horse runs in the opposite direction. <laughs> I didn't even notice this until this time. I noticed it and I was like, horse in that panel. why is that horse so sus? Like, first of all, why is it so sus? And second of all, why is it even in this panel? Like, yeah. like what the F? I mean, it makes sense in two seconds, but I was like, yeah. what's up with that? What's up with that horse? I looked at it for like two minutes. <laughs> I didn't realize until I was doing the summary, like even when I was like flipping through earlier. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so it's there. It's the Envy horse. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the forest, Gluttony continues to rage around, and the boys all crouch in the foliage and look on nervously, including Al peeking out from behind a tree far too skinny to actually hide him. <laughs> I know I said I'd battle that thing, Ed says, sweating, but dude, it's totally freaking me out. <laughs> That's a direct quote, I didn't make that up. Yeah. <laughs> they talk for a bit about how they're possibly going to catch him, including suggesting that they should have kept Roy around to see if giving Gluttony what he wants would calm him down. Then one of Gluttony's raging attacks comes a little too close for comfort, and they go running off again. Where's all the stuff at Swell's going to, anyway? Ed yells, and Ling snaps that he's the alchemy guy, so you tell me. <laughs> then before they can descend too far into bickering, something catches at Ling's and Xiaomei's senses, and they turn around quickly. That strange black horse emerges into the clearing, pure white eyes almost glowing as it takes in the scene. Stop, gluttony, it says. It spoke? Ling cries, startled, and the horse turns to look at him. You're the one from the other day, it says, mouth contorting into a wide grin. With a much more horrific-looking transformation than usual, the horse begins to change shape. Yo, Envy says, standing up. Long time no see, little full metal boy. And that's the end of, what is it, 49? I don't even know. <laughs> that's yes. the end of chapter 49. <laughs> I was time. distracted by the creepy horse-human uh, transmutation that's happening. Yeah, it's like way creepier than Envy's <laughs> usual transformations. It's the creepy eyes. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's like a, you know, there's like a connotation of, or there's like, you know, horses that are creepy, like the, you know, apocalyptic horses yeah. of mm -hmm. the four horsemen and stuff. Like, I don't know. I'm trying to think of others. I was just thinking of like the ring wraiths, like horses are really mm -hmm. creepy in Lord of the Rings. I just feel like creepy horses are a thing. Mm -hmm. Horses are like an animal that can be really cute and nice. Like you can, you can portray them in art as being really cute and nice, or you can portray them as really creepy and it works either way. Yeah, because mm -hmm. they're big and stompy and scary. Yeah, it's like well, they're prey animals, but they can also like totally kill you. Exactly, so. <laughs> they can squish you <laughs> pretty easily. <laughs> yeah, my opinion of horses leans more toward the the squishing, <laughs> being concerned about the squishing, but they're also fluffy and they got swishy tails <laughs> and little snoots. They have good snoots. Yes, they do. They do. They're soft. <laughs> they're soft. <laughs> Sometimes you can pet them. You just gotta keep your fingers away from the mouth. They can't see down mm -hmm. there. <laughs> and there's like food? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they go, mur, 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 which is mm -hmm. the other good thing about horses. Yeah. That's my list of pros and cons about horses. <laughs> <laughs> can, Very educational. can squish you. 
They can stomp on your toesies, but they have soft snoots, and they go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good pro con list, I think. <laughs> sometimes they have fluffy feet, like Clydesdales. <laughs> they do sometimes have fluffy feet. I know a lot about horses. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you want to talk about FMA? <laughs> Like, welcome to Horsecast. Yeah. <laughs> the podcast all about horse feats and snoots. Well, so many things happened once again. It's like we ended yep. one fight and then we went straight into another fight. Yep. <laughs> of equal or worse proportion, I feel like. Mm -hmm. I feel like Enrath knows a lot of things. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. The scene where um, they go and find Winry in the, the police headquarters or whatever... And it's mm -hmm. like, oh, Ed, you're here. And then it turns into the other part of the room, like the next panel. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, screamed out loud. And my husband was yeah. like, what? And I was like, it, you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> you, you won't understand why this person being in the room with this person is is horrifying. <laughs> Nothing that horrified me more than the, I mean, Gluttony, like, having a little weird, not little, a giant weird vacuum sucking power with a creepy eye and like rib teeth was somehow less scary than the fear of being in the same room with Winry <laughs> mm -hmm. and threateningly leaving being like take good care of her and then in the hall he's all like darkly shaded and whatever and you're like oh yeah. no oh he's no he's got a lot of really sinister expressions in these chapters like, well he's sinister yeah. so I feel like he's like I'm spending more time alone so I can make all these sinister faces now <laughs> I don't have <laughs> to be a, a smiley uh, <laughs> villain anymore it's in the hospital or whatever. Yeah, I guess we should talk about the one fight first. The other fight with Scar. <laughs> I do yeah. like uh, Riza rolling up at the end to like save the day, but in like mm -hmm. a in like a we joked about it like a Clark Kent disguise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then Wrath is clearly like, like still... oh, it's them. Yeah, but like, yeah. it still takes Ed now a second. To yeah, I know. Like, who is that? <laughs> like, is that you, Lieutenant Hawkeye? And then she's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, it's like it's obviously her. Like she just has her hair down. It's just really funny, I guess. Yeah, I guess she's she's probably counting on I'm going to be driving around too fast for anyone to really get a good look at me. Everybody but other than the fear, mm -hmm. so, but yeah. they didn't know about the fears. Uh, specialized. Specialized. <laughs> <laughs> Never gets old. <laughs> I wonder if anybody listening remembers the specialized commercial. <laughs> I never even saw the specialized commercial because I live in Canada, unlike you guys, and mm -hmm. I only heard about it. Well, my coworkers, ten years younger than me, still make jokes about it. Really? So I'm assuming the, the it's something the kids still know. Okay. Well, maybe they still That's good. the youth the youth the know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that was good, and um, <laughs> I love May showing up and kicking Owl. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty great. I love that after all her like daydreaming about Ed, she doesn't even recognize him when she right. calls <laughs> <Yeah>. him tiny. <laughs> She's like, "What are you doing to him, tiny man?" And then he's like, "Did you call me tiny?" It's like the third time someone called him short in these two chapters. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and then she stopped. Uh, she stopped Scar's bleeding from the gunshot. Mm -hmm. That was interesting. Mm -hmm. She said specifically that she can't like regrow back limbs or whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Well, and she says that she can't. If the flow of something has stopped, she can't fix that. So I assume that havoc would also be out of the question. Yeah. Exactly. They can't use her mm -hmm. to fix his back or whatever. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Are, is nerves the same as chi? I don't, <laughs> I don't We'll find out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like a theological question. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I, mean, we I do think that's the implication there. I guess like, so. Uh... Yeah. If it's completely gone, she can't fix it. 
But yeah. if it's not completely gone, she can fix it, in theory. Mm-hmm. And she didn't, like, yeah. heal the wound. She just stopped the bleeding, it seemed. Because he's still, like, hobbling yeah. around after, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it's, like, I don't know if she specializes either. Like, it's possible that someone, like, maybe more medically inclined would be able to do mm. more. But it seems like she's kind of doing, like, first aid, which is just quicker with... <laughs> I was thinking, like, mm-hmm. patching, like, a spare tire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's the tire patcher, not the tire fixer. <laughs> It could be. Well, they said that alcohistry is based in medicine, so maybe others can do it, but maybe she can't do it. But yeah, it's neat to see the like medical applications since people have talked about uh, the alchemy from Shin being more medically based. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's the way to get this. Because I don't think she healed anyone like the first time we saw her. She just helped with the. Uh... No, she opened the mine. Yeah, she the restored yeah. Mm-hmm. the entrance to the mine, but yeah. she didn't heal anybody. Yeah, it is really neat how like. Like, what she's doing is obviously still alchemy and, like, fits within the rules of the universe, but it is, like, like very different in practice than, like, mm-hmm. the typical ones we've seen. Mm-hmm. And she has to, still has to use her little thingies to control it. And, mm-hmm. yeah, the things that she does are kind of different. Like, she didn't have to physically connect the coal and the water to make the steam or smoke or whatever she did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She used the little, like, knife thingies, knife thingies to collect them or to connect them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It seemed. Whereas, like, somebody mm-hmm. like an Ed or an Al could have, like, made a pipe from the water to the coal and done the same thing. But, like, mm-hmm. it seemed like they need to be physically connected. Or rather, yeah, yeah, it seems like she doesn't have to do that. And I think that um, she's further away from those than Ed and Al would probably have to be. Yeah, they'd have to be touching it, I, I guess. Think with their, yeah. Drawing a circle. Or drawing a, mm-hmm. drawing a circle with chalk on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Before yeah. seeing the truth. Yeah, I was gonna say, well, not, not anymore. anymore but anyone else, <laughs> others, no. or carrying around special gloves, mm-hmm. special mm-hmm. hands. <laughs> 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 and then, of course, they lost Xiaomei, but Al picked up Xiaomei. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do love how during the whole scene with Gluttony, Xiaomei is like tagging along, and like mm-hmm. I didn't, yeah, I definitely didn't. In different role. I didn't notice that she was like attached to Roy's face when you were reading that part. I was looking at Roy, like, mm-hmm. what's on his face? <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, when they're running, you can see her, like, hanging on to the, like, the tassel on, on Al's uh, helmet. helmet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then she notices uh, horse envy and freaks out. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on many yeah. levels. I don't know if that's supposed to imply that she can also sense the, like, uh, the weird fucked up. Life presence. Like, the different, like, <laughs> souls or whatever. Or if mm-hmm. it's just, like, an animals can sense weird things kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I take it to mean that she can <laughs> sense the flow, life flow stuff, too. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it could, I mean, yeah, it could just be an animal yeah. thing. If it was, mm-hmm. like, if they had a dog friend, if Black Hayate was there, the same thing would definitely would have happened. Yeah. But Ling also mm-hmm. does it, so I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of implied. Well, I mean, um... It's a little different, but but uh, animals also don't like Hohenheim. True. So. Yeah. I don't remember if we've seen yeah, we any other animals with, with the we other. Don't know quite what's up with the Hohenheim, but Den was obviously like, nope, nope, nope. And also, <laughs> so. he could take all the shots without dying, so he obviously yeah. has some kind of power. Mm. Sketchy power that animals think is mm-hmm. sketchy. Animals always know what's right, in especially yeah. in stories. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Generally speaking, but also in stories. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny that Al picks it up because it's been like a little while since they've made like the kitten joke with Al. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he's like, but it was so cute and alone. And he's like, get rid of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love how Al's like, it's okay, little fellow. <laughs> yeah. You're safe now. <laughs> While Xiaomi is like chomping his finger. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's the only one that Xiaomei couldn't out-chomp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and Ed and Yoki being comparable in the yeah. eyes of Xiaomei, <laughs> which is also good. I like how you call yeah. them the Scar Gang. It's like the opposite of the Scooby <laughs> Gang, you know? Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, my next notes are about Winry, I guess. So I don't think I have anything <laughs> else to say about them. Oh, I talked about that. <laughs> the first note I have is about how creepy it is, and then I screamed when she was with the fear. <laughs> yeah. But it's cute when she goes into the fear when they go into fear uh, to the military room with the fear there that she still has Ed's coat like on her lap. She's like holding it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I only noticed that recently. I was like, oh. I noticed it immediately, and yeah. I was like, she still has his coat. And then I was like, oh my god, the fear is there or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when the phone call to Winry is like heartbreakingly. Ha- uplifting feeling. Like, oh yeah 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 where she's like they're like when we come back when we come back and she's like crying on the phone yeah it's like oh mm. it's so sweet it's so touching yeah. and how she's like like if i had actually shot scar i wouldn't have been able to face these people a cold-blooded yeah. killer mm-hmm. yeah yeah i wouldn't be able to face the people that look up to me or whatever or need me mm-hmm. yeah and we have kind of a little like addition to the whole like waiting people waiting mm-hmm. theme where she says like oh there's people waiting for me too mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Winry, you're not the one waiting on everybody all the time. Yeah, and in general, it's just like part of the thing I love in the series, where it's like Winry has her own like life and motivations, and mm-hmm. like yeah, circle of like people around her, completely separate from what's going on with Ed now. Mm-hmm. Did you see the thing that I sent you earlier today? There was a there's apparently oh yeah yeah there's yeah. Total Alchemist light novels which I had no idea existed, but yeah. apparently there was one that was never translated before that's coming out in the fall, and it's about Winry's uh Winry's time in uh rush valley so yeah if anybody's looking mm. to learn more about winry's time in rush valley apparently there's a light novel that's coming out cool and i want to read it <laughs> yeah i read the synopsis for the other ones and i was like man then i saw that one and i was like oh winry oh yeah i read one of them wasn't super into it but um mm. but it's winry's ba- it's winry backstory but, yeah i'd be more interested <laughs> in one about winry yeah mm. anyway plus they usually come with additional uh, illustrations from arakawa so that's always good oh, oh yeah, yeah that sounds nice mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I look forward to it in the fall, I guess, apparently, mm-hmm. according to the thing that I read. I was like, this is good timing for our show that we're talking about Winry yeah. today. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I really liked that part where they're, everybody's like, it's my Arnold Mail's better when you fix it. I feel like it was a good experience for Winry. Yeah. At the end of all of that, where she was like, I can't do things for the people that I care about, but there's always people who are depending on other people who are depending on her. Mm-hmm. That she yeah, I think it helped kind of like like reaffirm her like i don't know her life and actions and everything mm. and her decision mm-hmm. like not to shoot and everything mm-hmm. like, kind of like how we had like ed and al kind of like reaffirm their whole like goals recently i mm. think that kind of served a similar yeah. purpose for her yeah that's true it makes sense and then ed screaming <laughs> yeah she's so we get the cutest yeah. the cutest uh, so send-off shonenly his shonenly send-off <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna let it go. You said it, and you started it. <laughs> yeah, that's another one of my favorite scenes. The next time we can next cry, there'll be, be tears. Yeah, I like how he like starts to say it, and then like gets cut off, and then is like, nope. <laughs> <we're not again." laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had too long to think about it, and I've decided I can't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's a, a crushable, a crush thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like that's real life. <laughs> Like, I'm gonna say it, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. And you're like, uh, and then it's like, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Another drink first. <laughs> yeah. I love Al teasing him about it too. I know. He's like, yeah. that was cute. And he's like, shut up. <laughs> Very brotherly. Yeah. I don't have any other things to say about Winry except that she's great and mm-hmm. I'll miss her, but I'm sure she'll mm-hmm. come back. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
She has to go fix everyone's auto mail. It's very important. Yeah. <laughs> People are depending on her. And I also, it was nice that, uh, huh? I was just going to say, she's an important part of Russia Valley's economy. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone there is uh, trying to get the best uh, get the best automail and have the most clients, I guess. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just going to say it was nice that they finally talked about the parent, Ed, Ed and her, finished their conversation for real. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't have to learn about it from the newspaper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's hard. Yeah. As I insist, may or may not have killed her parents. <laughs> I continue to insist that that's the case. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they they did finish their conversation, so that was good. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a bummer, mm-hmm. but then she got her phone call and it was okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems to have kind of like all of this kind of wrapped up all the loose ends for now, at least that she was feeling about her parents and trying to mm-hmm. help Ed now. So mm-hmm. it's too bad the fear knows about her though. I'm not happy about mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And my feelings are what matter most in this story. <laughs> feelings of comfort. <laughs> okay. Well, next up. Then they go back to the secret. Roy picks them up, which is funny, and they go back to the secret location. So mm-hmm. he used another chess metaphor. Yep, <laughs> very important. Mm-hmm. I was really happy that he brought Knox back too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although it was kind of sad that he said that he, uh, his family, his wife, he and his wife got divorced when he came back from the war or whatever. So yeah. mm-hmm. we continue to see the delicately sprinkled in moments of tragedy from from the war. So mm-hmm. yep. Yay, yay, question mark. I found that little um, note to be kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're seeing, we're learning the, um, we're seeing the, the gooey soft center in, in Knox's. Uh, <laughs> Under the candy coating, um, you mean? More roughened exterior. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he took care of, of Lanfon's arm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was nice. And then he drove them all over. And despite him screaming at everyone to hurry and he's not gonna let them he's not gonna risk his life for them, he stayed and <laughs> And waited for them to get everybody in the car. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, I hate all of you. And then waits for like yeah. five more minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Well now he's fully involved. He knows the fear is also homunculus. Also, he gave us the he dropped the the fact that uh the fear's kid isn't his biological son. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, we already know he's a homunculus, so it doesn't really matter, but I guess it helps confirm it for the, the, the cast. So, mm-hmm. dun, dun, Do dun. we? Hmm? We don't know that yet. He's a homunculus? <laughs> he has a tattoo on his eyeball. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> his name is Rath. <laughs> <laughs> we saw him talk to the father. <laughs> yeah, you're right. My mistake. <laughs> do we know that? Yes, we do. <laughs> we saw him talking to uh, Pride. Mm-hmm. He's a homunculus. And gluttony. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Guys. (laughs) We don't know that he's not a homunculus, I guess. That's, like, really the bigger question, I guess. Or, like, what the fuck? How is he able to age and stuff? Mm -hmm. That we don't know. He's definitely an unusual homunculus. He has has their mark. Ling says he has their mark. (laughs) If I know anything about anime, it's that when everybody has the same thing, that means they're all on the same team. So. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm done teasing. Now you. everybody knows. So. <laughs> yeah, but now everybody knows, which is which is a uh, good yeah, question mark. Actually, yeah, we've actually known for a while, like back during the um, the Devil's Nest. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, that's right. yeah, he revealed his his special eye. <laughs> <laughs> we just had the uh, all the characters being like, "Can we trust the fear, or is he suspicious?" Is he like, homunculus? Suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> and now, like, maybe he's a homunculus too. And they're like, "There's no way." <laughs> <laughs> Jokes on you guys. I guess you were mm-hmm. right. 
Yeah. Mm. The scene, um, anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. Back in my notes about Knox for whatever reason. Um, yeah. Or like about what happened at the secret hideout. Uh, Ling was really um, beaten up emotionally, mm-hmm. I guess. That is what I'm trying to say. He looked really, um, he looked really upset while they're treating, yeah. while Knox is treating yeah. Lan Fan. Mm-hmm. He said, I thought I had enough conviction, but I was wrong. Yeah. Lan Fan had more mm-hmm. conviction than I did. Like, outside the room is like, I think that says a lot. Like he feels like he can't go in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He mm-hmm. looks like he doesn't really, can't really like face her or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it was so, um, also touching how Lan Fan was like, I need auto mail. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll yeah. need it now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I feel like Lon Pana and we could be friends. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're kind of, um, they're both, you know, sassy, strong ladies. I feel like <laughs> it's a, <laughs> I, just, I feel like they would get along. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I like how Ed is like, yeah, I'll introduce you to a good mechanic. It's all very sweet. Mm-hmm. Everybody's very, being very sweet to Lon Fon, which I appreciate yeah. because I love her as stated mm-hmm. last time. Yeah, <laughs> it is really cute that like, like Ed and Al have like barely talked to her other than like, mm-hmm. Being like, stop eating time, food. But like, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, while she's recovering, they're like, you know, be like, are you okay? Can we get you anything? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you're good boys. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. And they, I mean, Ed, Ed is a double amputee. So I think he knows yeah. the feeling if anybody mm-hmm. does yeah. out of anybody there. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that whole scene was very sweet. Yeah. There's a lot of like, um, like everyone getting along well in these chapters. Mm-hmm. Like, until they start fighting about gluttony, which I thought was really interesting mm-hmm. at the end of mm-hmm. all that scene. Um, yeah. But, like, even, like, like we see a lot of the characters, like, bickering, but it's in, like, a really friendly way mm-hmm. that, like, we haven't seen before. Like, yeah. they, like, like, Ed and Roy are, like, taunting each other. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like that, like, Ed, and then Ed and Ling when they're, like, <laughs> in the woods. Out about gluttony in the woods. That part is hilarious yeah. where they're, like, running away and they're, like, now what? They're all, like, playing mm. it cool by the car, and then they're like, oh, yeah. what are we going to do now? <laughs> <laughs> I liked um, Risa. Risa doesn't know Lan Fan. Like, Risa's the one who's, like, taking care of her and stuff, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, watching her, sitting yeah. with her in the car. She, like, threw Roy in the car and then, like, sat with Lan Fan. Yeah. <laughs> Although Lan Fan is more injured than, uh, Lan Fan's more injured than Roy, so. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought that, that was nice, too. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I mean, they probably... Have been around each other, but I don't think they've ever like met. Met, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I can't think. They were definitely. I mean, obviously, they were both involved in the. Bear the but they were thing, involved on separate. different fronts, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Um, but she must know about. I mean, she would know about Ling and his bodyguard. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's just that Reese is nice. I think that's the situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah. but it's still nice that they're uh, Reese is taking care of her too. Yeah, mm-hmm. she even like helps with the surgery, which mm-hmm. is. <laughs> Yeah, because she's a badass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or it would have just, like, fainted or whatever, you know? <laughs> I don't know that. I'm just guessing based off of the type of character that, again, yeah. based on my yeah. conditioning, anime conditioning. It's kind of funny that, like, all the boys are outside the room mm-hmm. and Reese is in there, like... Yeah. Like, okay, now hold this thing. pressure to the wound and everything. Yeah. <laughs> because she's a badass. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure when they put her in the car, she was like, you did what? <laughs> <laughs> I like how Nox is like, don't blame me if you get tetanus. And it's like, don't blame me if you get, like, so many other things. Like, what the hell? Yeah, yeah that's funny, though. <laughs> he's like, don't blame me if you get tetanus anyway. Let's fix up your wound and whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, he says, don't blame me if you get tes- tetanus. By the way, I'm rusty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... I'm only working on corpses, so um, deal with it. 
Yeah, but then he, I'm sure he did a good job. <laughs> The first translation I read of that said about him like being rough, like like with his hands, basically, since he'd only been working on corpses. Mm-hmm. So I said like mm-hmm. a bit rough because it could be kind of translated either way. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I believe like that. it could be like rough as in like like not kind, but also like rough as in like like unskilled. Rusty, so, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I like mm-hmm. that. But Lampan's uh, no longer like actively dying, so that's good. Oh yeah, she yeah, got yep. stitched up Seems to be stable. She's like, but she's yeah. still like. Uh, Looks like she's like feverish, and yeah. I mean she's weak. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. I mean they were able to get her out to the car, but she was like laying down in the car. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she's. I mean, yeah, she's definitely and not actually dying. Be, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. seems. She seemed to be somewhat like just lucid. Yeah, like well, in the car it seemed like she might have been like a little less aware of what's going on. Like she was kind of yeah. falling back into it because. Mm-hmm. Like she's like yelling after Ling when he goes back. Yeah, the long I mean, the longer they got away from the battle, the the more kind of like weak she got, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, the adrenaline has worn off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her fucking arm is gone. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was gonna say, like, the um the inciting incident for why they needed the car was that they found Gluttony found out that it was Roy Mustang who was there. Yes. But yeah. like right before that I thought it was interesting how they were all arguing about like Ling was like, no, I gotta take Gluttony back to back to Shane, mm-hmm. and and now like, no, we need to look at the, we need to like study, you know, the philosopher's stone. And Roy's like, no, I want to like, um, I gotta, we gotta get rid of him, or like he's tied to the people who, uh, you know, like killed Hughes or whatever. So, they have mm-hmm. all along so far, all of their kind of like different agendas have, kind of worked out, mm-hmm. but they came to this mm-hmm. point where they almost, I don't know, their bickering caused more problems, right? Like, their kind of competing yeah. interests caused a problem in the end. I thought that that was yeah. kind of interesting, because normally it's like, oh, it's just like, yeah, everybody works together, totally cool. But once they finally had a lead, it was like, every man for himself. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. For a second, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, Gluttony ends yeah, that. It's kind of like... It was interesting, an interesting yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like, um, like, they're all like, all right, we all want the same thing, let's work together. Mm-hmm. But they didn't, like, discuss what would happen after that, so... Because they don't really mm-hmm. want the same thing. Like, they mm-hmm. kind of have the same short-term goal, but... Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they don't all want the same thing. So they're like, well, I want a homunculus. And they're like, cool, I want one too. And then they got one, and they're like, mm-hmm. well, now what do we do with it? And that yeah, became so. the argument, so... I like how Roy's even like, no, I need Nox, I need you to be here in case we need to take a vote. <laughs> He's probably like, yeah. I don't give a shit what you do with the homunculus. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also feel like the um, like how challenge how difficult it wound up being, to like get the homunculus made it more like, urgent for them like in the mm-hmm. argument stage like because like Ling specifically says like Lan Fan lost her arm for this yeah, like, <laughs> I mean I think based on that fact alone they should get the homunculus but yeah I mean yeah, yeah it's kind of a uh, how are they supposed to I mean it would be like a bit easy they could they would be more like all right sure, let's whatever. work this out but um, oh, also <laughs> I think all Ling... in high stress mode still <laughs> yeah yeah. Ling really did kind of carry that whole operation. Like he was able to get Gluttony in a position. He had the idea to tie him up with the cables and all that. Like, I think you know he he really carried his weight in that. Whereas everyone else did, you know, all right. But I think they all carried out their end of the bargain. Like, yeah, Ed and Al fought Scar long enough to lure Gluttony, which worked out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and they had previously agreed with Ling. Um, and then Roy. And Risa, I think that they just kind of showed up and ended up helping them in the end. But like, yeah, it's not like Roy ever had any kind of prior agreement about the what would happen. That's true. <laughs> and neither did Ed, Nell, and Ling really. Like they didn't decide mm-hmm. that. They were just like, cool, we're all in on the plan. 
But yeah, it was kind of like yeah. afterward then one. <laughs> Didn't work out so well in the end. Because they're dumb teenagers. You don't think I mean, that. yeah. <laughs> well, they're like, I'll figure it out somehow with Scar. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, this was this is the profit part. They finally made it the profit part of the plan. Yeah. <laughs> they actually did it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it turned out to be more than they bargained for. So Yeah. That didn't go well. See, gluttony's horrifying. I know, right? Oh, yeah. I spent like yeah. 10 minutes staring at my document trying to figure out how to describe gluttony. <laughs> I think I think mm. I wound up with a pretty decent description. Oh, yeah, you did a good job. Oh, yeah. You sent me, they sent us a message that was like, his rib teeth? And I was like, yeah. not wrong. Uh, <laughs> not sure if that's right. Yeah. <laughs> And they're kind of like teeth, but he really has this kind of like laser beam situation. Like I don't even know how you describe it. It's like he can like yeah, it's hard to. And then he also like caught can... the fire, yeah, like, fire, can... and spat it, spat it back mm. out. Yeah, like you instantly know what's happening when you see it on the page, but it's hard to put it into words. <laughs> yeah, it's like a. I describe it as like a tiny black hole. That's how I think of it, at least. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it only has a certain distance. It's not just like a big infinite beam. Like mm -hmm. yeah, I like the part where I mean it's horrifying, but I like the part where uh, Reese's like gun gets cut off. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're like, oh shit! <laughs> yeah, I like her like wide-eyed like expression. She's like staring at it. <laughs> I feel like she's like, I didn't sign up for any of the shit when I joined the military. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gluttony also attacked her before, so this mm -hmm. is like another level mm -hmm. of horror, probably. Yeah, oh right? yeah, that's right. Because uh, mm -hmm. this is the one that she didn't get away from, almost. Yeah. One kind of funny bit that I didn't notice until this time is. Like, after the rifle gets destroyed, she draws, like, a pistol on Gluttony. Mm -hmm. And then, like, the house starts to collapse. And she, like, immediately draws, like, a revolver with her other hand and, like, crosses it over and, like, points it at the house. She's, oh. like, she's like, got her arms, like, crisscrossed with a gun in each hand. Oh, yeah. Look at that. <laughs> Just in case. Yeah. Mm. I guess you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> but, yeah. So he's got multiple guns on <laughs> She usually has at least three guns, I feel like. Mm -hmm. The shotgun and then several handguns. Yeah. Um, I think we've seen her, like, in her, like, like down to her t-shirt, and she has, like, well, she has two back shoulder holsters, holsters yeah. and then a back holster. So. And also yeah. legs. Didn't she pull one from her leg this time? Or... I'm, uh, a time. I'm pretty sure she ha that might have been in the uh, lab with Lust. Okay, I don't remember. But, yeah, basically she has a bunch of guns <laughs> yeah. on her at any yeah. given time. Which is good, because she needed a spare to give to Ed this time. Yeah, really. Mm -hmm. And he took it after hesitation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like that moment. I like it too. Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of interesting. I wonder if it's like a cultural thing, because like handguns are banned in Japan. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, because I feel like in a, you know, like in an American action movie, it'd just be like, take this gun, and they'd be like, thanks. There yeah. wouldn't have been mm -hmm. like such a long moment of hesitation, even I think with the Winry scene. Mm -hmm. With Winry, mm -hmm. it's different because she... Is deciding whether or not to kill someone. With Ed, this is just like theoretically a protection, like Risa explains to him. Mm -hmm. So I kind of feel yeah. like I wonder if there would be that hesitation in a different story from a different author. I just think that it's kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. But I do think it makes it much more important when you throw the Winry flashback in and stuff too. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I like how like he has like the two separate flashbacks that kind of like convince him in either direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like he had him like he was so like adamantly against Winry like firing a gun, mm -hmm. but then had her asking them not to die mm -hmm. and that makes him decide to take it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think reese is right in this case it's like this is for your mm -hmm. your personal protection yeah yeah i think that she knows that like ed's not the kind of person who's just gonna willy-nilly shoot it you know yeah i also like it from reese's point of view because we've already seen like during the flashback um when uh, they came to recruit ed mm -hmm. 
Um, and she has mm-hmm. the conversation with Winry, and she's like, "Have you ever like, yeah, like shot and killed anyone?" And she said, "Like, yes, many times." And she says, "Like, I do it to protect because there's a person I have to protect." And so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the whole like it's a tool for killing people. It's also a tool for protecting yourselves. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. like she's obviously had like thought about that a lot in her so. past yeah. as a soldier. So. And I think that also in her case, she in this scene, she also called them kids again. She's like, we can't leave you kids. So it's kind mm-hmm. of like she's kind of leaving part of herself behind, really. Like, it's kind mm-hmm. of like that's the only thing she can do to protect them now that they're leaving. Yeah. So I think on her part, it's a it's a good gesture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, something that's kind of interesting is we see the difference because like we've got Win- Rinri who they like last chap two chapters ago I guess mm-hmm. they made a big deal of how important it was that she didn't shoot and kill Scar um and now you've got kind of Riza over here who's an- another badass <laughs> who has no pro- like <laughs> who's the exact opposite <laughs> guns all over <laughs> using the five gun technique like yeah um, Bradley she can shoot in the air one from the butt <laughs> one from the butt <laughs> but i think with rinri it's like risa we haven't seen her like backstory yet but risa has sort of accepted this burden of having killed people Mm -hmm. yeah i think ed is trying to keep winry from blindly becoming like that Oh, I, yeah. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, think I just when... think that it's it's nice that to to be able to show mm. both perspectives mm. in a very, you know, interesting and well thought out mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. Um, and it 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 shows both as being not necessarily wrong, like like yeah, it's it's they're both kind of heroic in a way mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, um, it's another thing I love about this series is like, you know, there's a lot of like. Uh, like conversation about like uh you get like representation in different like media and stuff about like in this case with like female characters is that there's a lot of a lot of times there's a problem where like you only have one significant female character Mm -hmm. in a series and it's Mm -hmm. like then they the burden is like on them to like be like to represent like all women Mm -hmm. and it's like there's no way for any one character to do that yep Mm -hmm. so like like full malachis has a bunch of different female characters who all have like different like attitudes and capabilities mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like focuses and everything because you've got like you know Risa who's the soldier and you got Winry who's you know not a violent person but isn't has like is mechanically skilled mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you have like uh even have like Alicia Hughes who's mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. a more like mothering kind of character and you got Azumi and yeah like, all kinds of right yeah Anako and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even like Panina mm-hmm. yeah so like they're able to show like different kinds of like you know oh, different okay. kinds of strength and not uh-huh. mm-hmm. and none of them are like lesser for it for not being a different kind of strength mm-hmm. like, yeah and different kinds of like emotion too I feel like you mm-hmm. always have like the female character that's like super emotional about everything like mm-hmm. um like in some ways they're I feel like Winry by no means is uh stereotypical. But I feel like the way that she kind of cries a lot is like sometimes like the typical trope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That one aspect yeah. of her. And like, but like you see, Risa was like freaking out when she thought Roy was dead too. So I mean, it's not like mm-hmm. she's the only one. It's not like when Risa's the only one who gets yeah. really mm-hmm. emotional, for example. Mm-hmm. I feel like F made does a good job of representation in general. 
We see a lot of different people, just like in general, mm -hmm. um, which is nice. Yeah. I mean, I guess one of the nice things is we see, because I'm thinking of, of Azumi finding out about her son, mm -hmm. right? Like, even all these very strong women are able to show a, a very reasonable amount of emotion and during, you know, very emotional periods and like it's very i think well done in character mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and you're able to see these strong people in sort of vulnerable positions that you know humanizes mm -hmm. them yeah i mean you see that from the male characters too i mean like mm -hmm. we saw the oh, flashback sure. of like um oh i'm just adding to what you're saying um but yeah. like like with the uh, armstrong uh the mm -hmm. flashback that we saw before of him in the the mm -hmm. war for example mm -hmm. Um, like, we know he's kind of an emotional person, but, yeah, um, mm -hmm. yeah I don't know. I they, We see a lot of different range of emotional reaction from people, and nobody's ever really, yeah. like, one way all the time also, which is mm -hmm. makes sense, too. Yeah. And the narrative is, like, never, like, like shaming them for any of their, like, emotions. No. Like, mm -hmm. like they're all allowed to be, like, upset or angry or... Mm -hmm. Cry at your friend's grave and say that it's raining, etc. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like that a lot about FMA. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like I feel like sorry, we're still talking about this. <laughs> yeah, no, we can. Yeah, I was just yeah. trying to decide if there was a good way to segue into something else. But go ahead. We no, I was just thinking because like you were saying that like like Winry being the one who like like cries often, everything is like part of like kind of the stereotypical like shonen female character. Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah, I feel like when that's the only female character you have, it gets annoying. But like. <laughs> When you have a bunch mm -hmm. of different female characters with different personalities and everything, it's like okay, it's fine if there's a female character who cries a lot. Yeah. Like, and mm -hmm. she cries for reasons. So, I mean, like, yeah, because it's like some, yeah. people, some people cry a lot. Yeah, it's fine. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's a, she's emotional and empathetic, and that's part of her character. And she yeah. really yeah. deeply cares about Ed and Alan. They're in a very precarious situation, so like it's all justified. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like I think I've I think I've quoted it before, but Arka has a quote about Winry where mm -hmm. she says like, like Winry like. Like laughs a lot, cries a lot, and gets mad a lot. Like, <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, she feels her emotions strongly. Yeah, and I think that you see that you can tell that it's not like she's just crying because she's the emotional character. It's just like her, mm -hmm. her emotions are are part of who she, her personality. Like it's mm -hmm. part of her yeah. character. And and uh, you you see character development through mm -hmm. it. You know, I mean, she's determined to be more than just sort of the person who stands by waiting. Yep. And you know, she's she's trying to become a better person just through auto mail and being able to be more supportive and all of that. And so like, it's, it's, she's able to develop beyond just that as mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. which yeah, I think she is has very her important. own arcs and everything. Yeah. yeah. Right. She's not just a side character that cries when things are bad. <laughs> mm -hmm. She doesn't have like healing yeah. tears or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, she definitely, and she has her own, even though she's like a quote-unquote side character. This is why I called Nox a tertiary character, because it's like, he's not even really a secondary character. There's like the main characters, and there's like some sub-main characters, and like even slightly mm -hmm. lesser sub-main characters, like like Nox. Yeah. Like he has yeah. a, he's come up a couple times, and he, he clearly has like a developed character. He's not just like an NPC, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He has a backstory. He said that his family, his wife left him after the war. So, I mean, like, we're yeah, getting but... his backstory right now. Like, it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, even though yeah. he's, like, like he a dude a who showed up. He yeah. <laughs> yeah, he didn't even have a name when he first showed up. He was just kind of a, a 
asshole. the corner? Corner. Yeah, the grumpy corner. <laughs> yeah. And then we find out that he's actually someone Roy knows, and now he's getting, like, pulled into the main story mm-hmm. and everything. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, against his will, it yeah, seems. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like the only, like, 100% main characters in the story are Ed and Al. Pretty much. But there's, yeah. like, a lot of other, like, super important characters, like Roy and Winry and... Yeah, Lisa. Yeah, uh, and then, like... Ling, Lockbon, May, Shan- uh, May mm-hmm. Scar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who are all, like, probably about equal importance, but, like, they, like, drop in and out of the plot. Like, we'll have whole sections of the story without seeing Roy or Winry, but... I would definitely usually see Ed now. I can't think of a time, a mm-hmm. chapter that didn't have them, either of them at all. Yeah. Like, those, mm-hmm. there's usually, like, parts of a chapter that won't have them at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, military stuff. But usually they show up at some point. Yeah. But yeah, there'll be, like, a couple whole chapters. Like, Riza wasn't in the last episode, I think, at all, until she rolled up in the car. Or, like, they were mm-hmm. in the, in Roy's prank call station. <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um, just, like, as an example, I guess. And even Roy wasn't very much involved with that fight. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But then, like, Havoc made an appearance again in this chapter, for example. So. Yeah. Yeah, he's like a dude on the <laughs> on Roy's team, um, mm-hmm. and he keeps mm-hmm. coming back, right? Oh. So I thought about something. I think this past week while watching uh, a TV show, and it's you get a lot of characters with backstory, but you don't oftentimes get characters with like a concurrent story. Mm-hmm. Just like, just something happens that's not necessarily related to the plot, but like that they live their lives like when the camera's not on them mm-hmm. you know that sort of thing um and like i think the closest that that, that i've i can think of and maybe it's because it's recent and on the top of my head is like seeing azumi in central mm-hmm. and uh may in Risenbull, yeah. you know that sort of thing where like you don't come by and just be like oh yeah this person you know they got divorced like since you last talked to them and like not because it's related to the story, but just, like, they were living their own mm-hmm. lives. And I don't know. I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense it's not related to the story that you're telling, but, like, it also... I mean, I, I, I don't know. I was just It was just something I was thinking about, and I think it, it sort of... We're sort of talking about, you know, character development and things like that and how, you know, what makes these people very relevant characters is that you're getting very detailed, well-thought-out backstories for you know, even these tertiary characters, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I don't know, I, I just, what would a story be like if that happened? Would that be confusing? Would that be just not good storytelling? I just, they just but, you wouldn't know, care about them. It would be like a one, monster of the week kind of situation. Well, not yes. a, like, I mean, I'm thinking like, um, you come back and, and, um, something happens with Roy, like that that happened. That's again not necessarily part of the story, but like um, something that I mean, I guess Roy is a bit more main character than uh, you might, but like I don't know. Just what would be a good example. Well, like, I was like happy that um, Paninio was paying back. She got a real job and she was paying back. Uh, that's whatever. true. Don. Yeah, I can never remember his name. Yeah, <laughs> the first time. Um, yeah, like for example, yeah, I feel like yeah. I feel like if it's too big a thing, it like can feel unearned. Yeah, it's just like while you're gone, this big thing happened. But um, yeah, like you can do small things that you're like, oh yeah, they're living their lives. Like 
Like yeah. all of Winry's customers, like we don't know most of those that's people, but like true. that's obviously implied to have, you know, <laughs> that's obviously implied to have, you know, she's developed these relationships in the time since we've seen her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you're right. And it's good mm-hmm. for Winry. Like we, I feel like we empathize with that because we like Winry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. If she had like come back and been like, oh, by the way, I got married. You'd be like, what the like fuck? That. Like, that's true. Like, yeah. My hopes yeah. are are dashed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for her and Ed. Yeah. <laughs> or like, um... Yeah, for sure. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they go back to uh, Fu comes back and he's like, I became the emperor while you were gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I found immortality. And you're like, what? <laughs> it's kind of a ripoff, right? Like when you don't get to see yeah. their like character development, like something just happens. That's true. Yeah. I guess that's why mm-hmm. it kind of feels like. Yeah. I guess like if, if you came back and um, like, cause, cause you know, th- there's a lot of, of fighting going on. So if, if Lan Fan came back without an arm, from something you didn't see, mm-hmm. I guess that would sort of be very yeah. like. Wh- We'd be like, well, why? What happened? I kind of want to know. Yeah, why? Why? Yeah. I would be yeah. like, as a storytelling reason, why would you do this? Like, why mm-hmm. wouldn't you show the yeah. arm getting cut off? Yeah, I feel like mm-hmm. you'd only do that if it was like, oh, she disappeared years ago and we don't know where she's been. And, and she then she like shows yeah. back up and she doesn't have an arm. Like, and, like, <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Like, wicked scar over her eye. Yeah, or she has a she has an Orvorce tattoo on her eye. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like if but that's but then you don't yeah. know that character so it doesn't matter. Like it's not the same mm-hmm. as meeting a a one-off character and then them coming back. Yeah. 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 I think it's just the interesting thing about FMA specifically is that there are a lot of characters like this that we care. We the story is developed they're developed enough that we care about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it could be and we talked about it a lot of times it could be like when we go just lives in Resinbull and then she's just a side character and she has some like moments with them and then nothing happens but she obviously has her own life like they all obviously have their own internal things that are going on mm-hmm. a lot of it is like i mean we see a lot of things like roy doesn't go off and then be like i found out that the fever is a homunculus you yeah know? <laughs> well but yeah. i mean i feel like that's too related yeah, to the yeah, story yeah, yeah. you know i mean it would be i mean i guess something similar is uh havoc having a girlfriend and then <laughs> finding a new one yeah. Again, that was it was set up as a, such a long running gag it. though. It was so great. Yeah, our power really yeah. fooled us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, she really fooled yeah. me into a lulled mm-hmm. me to self, a sense of security that I was like, oh, he's just like that type of character. He's just it's just a gag. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. He was hating lust. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then she paralyzed him. Yeah, life is cruel. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Love is so bad. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't know. And the irony of that is what made it great. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. There's. I think that that is. I don't know. It seems like that's just like good storytelling. It's like don't make a character that yeah. we're connected to that just like disappears or like something happens to them that we something happens to a character kind of like off screen that is supposed to make us like more sympathetic to them or whatever. And in the end, you're just like mm-hmm. asking questions. I feel like it's yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, I can't think of an example of something happening like that, though, in a mm-hmm. story. Well, I mean, I guess, like, a lot of the times something like that happens, and it's, like, and and Shonen is very, <laughs> very well known for, you know, like, all of a sudden, oh, I'm back, you know, I've, like, at the nick of time, right when you oh, need yeah. me to save the day because this happened, you know, I was and doing I have this, and now. I'm back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. And, like, yeah, true. And so it's often just very, like, convenient like related to the story mm. that oh yeah now they're back and not just like a uh i mean i guess once once it's a chance encounter hey i've you know i also happen to be visiting risenbool and i met you there wasn't expecting this and now it becomes part of the story and so 
Yeah. You know, it has some core relevance, I guess. But, but I feel like sometimes things like that, that like never happens in FMA. Things always never go the way they say they're going to oh. go. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the opposite mm -hmm. where they're like, Roy, Roy has this like amazing file about power, but now it's raining. Or like Ed's mm -hmm. automail arm is broken, <laughs> so he can't do crazy alchemy. Yeah. Like more often than mm -hmm. not, I feel like that's what happens, <laughs> which is really great mm -hmm. too. Yeah. They're forced to yeah. work together. Teamwork is important. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm learning from this story. Not just mm -hmm. like random people with a lot of power showing up. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. To save them in the nick of time. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. It took someone third degree burns to get two people to survive a fight and then come back and save them in the nick of time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of actually the con okay, good. I have a segue. Speaking of the confrontation between Roy and Lust, Gluttony went into a rage about Lust. This is what happened mm -hmm. in this, I guess. So mm -hmm. I, it's kind of also interesting that we've been like this whole time seeing Gluttony in the background being like Lust, Lust, being really sad mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. Which I always thought was kind of interesting because we kind of talk about how they like, like kind of act like they don't have emotions and stuff. But obviously mm -hmm. the homunculi have feelings of some kind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Rage, for example. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. It's actually kind of sweet in a twisted way. Like <laughs> It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I get horribly burned to death, I would hope that one of you would open up your ribcage and swallow everyone responsible <laughs> <laughs> into a mysterious void. <laughs> and why have you I'll been holding, holding out on well, me look, with your special powers? <laughs> That's only after someone kills you at least oh, yeah, five yeah, yeah. times. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I have to gain a semblance of immortality first. <laughs> but then once I do that, I'm the bar's been raised. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> On vengeance. <laughs> but yeah, so Gluttony goes into this rage and then like sucks up. I Yeah, I mean, I thought all the homunculi seem to have this kind of like true form, right? And Gluttony's mm -hmm. is really horrifying. <laughs> it's just like the like creepy eye inside this void with these like rib things sticking out over it, and his tongue yeah. is still like attached. It's like super weird. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's like the mouth doesn't even have to like swallow, like actually physically swallow things. It has this kind of like creepy mm -hmm. like beam that it uses. Yeah. And I don't even know if it's like controlled controlled by Gluttony. Like they kind of like are like there was another monster inside the monster or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, I assume that it's controlled by Gluttony, but, like, it... I think it's controlled by him, but he's very, like, even before this, is just kind of ruled by his, like, base emotions and desires. Yeah. Because yeah. he's just like, can I eat it? Can I eat it? True. And so, like, now he's just, like, going on, like, pure rage. Yeah, super so... Saiyan Gluttony, mm -hmm. yes. Because, mm -hmm. like, even, like, like toward the end when the when the boys are all, like, hiding in the bushes being like, what the heck do we do? <laughs> um, you know, he's just, like, raging around randomly. Yeah, true. Yeah. Roy's not even there anymore, so... Mm -hmm. And I think, and like there, it seems that there's some kind of control over the power too, because the gluttony swallowed Roy's like fireball and then like shot it back out somehow. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. or it somehow came back out. Like it's not really clear, but yeah. uh, that was the thing that also happened. Yeah, I love everyone's like shocked faces when he swallows. Yeah, I know. That's also yeah. how I felt. I was like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Roy's like, no problem. I can handle this, guys. And it's just like, the fire's gone. It's like, oh no. Yeah. Now what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> Very few things worked in the first place, so yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I do like them. The boys are like, "We'll be fine. Let us handle it." And they're like scurrying around in the woods after, like, "What do we do?" <laughs> it was great. Both Ed and now like snapping at Roy, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just go away and like yeah. get in the car, and then yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Please, <laughs> please leave." Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
in his polite like, owl. I expect way. it from Ed, but it's funny to see it from Al too. Yeah. Well, he's yeah. kind of being useless, of course, yeah. <laughs> once again, which he was growing mushrooms about. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but like, hey, he really shouldn't be fighting. Yeah. He's not healed yet. Mm-hmm. And his his yeah. one trick that he has wasn't working. So it's kind of like, okay, well, mm-hmm. if you're injured and you can't actually fight, then you're not really, you're just a, a, yeah. a hazard <laughs> in this case. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did like the dummy they made of him. That was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> With the little face, yeah. the tongue sticky outy face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder how many of those gloves he has. I noticed that they left Lots. the glove on the model, and I was like, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, I think it's transmuted. There's, like, little transmute marks on oh, okay. it. okay. <laughs> but, like, before that, before I noticed that, I was like, is he not wearing pants now? <laughs> <laughs> is he not wearing pants on the model? You actually can't tell because you don't actually see him from the waist down after that moment, but there's, like, little transmute marks on the pants. That's so, really funny. Presumably. So, wait, so did they, is, just, is, but... they just use the coat? I think so. <laughs> That's really funny. That's even funnier. But yeah, you can see there's like a divot in the ground too, like where they pulled up the material yeah. to make it. So mm. yeah, I always like that. Like they, she always includes that detail of there being like stuff pulled out from the ground around it whenever they yeah. transmit something. Mm-hmm. The law of conservation of mass. Yeah. I guess maybe the mouth does stretch out, because like you can see the teeth stretching out sometimes, but sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, the seem ribs like. are definitely are definitely mobile, but. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, are they controlling the sucking of the things, or is it just a horrifying side effect? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's kind of hard yeah, to tell. It kind of seems like, yeah, it kind of seems like there might be like kind of like the beam thing, but also his like ribs have some like prehensile ability because, mm-hmm. like, when he like attacks Roy, he actually like stops it like right in front of his horrible void mouth. Yes, <laughs> the Roy dummy. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, the ribs were like pointing around it. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, just like flip back to. There's like a couple pages before where Gluttony is like standing there, and the ribs are kind of all curled around. That one's really gross. It's mm-hmm. like the first time they kind of have like a well. Uh, is it the first full body shot? Yeah, because there's like the one in shadow, and then you kind of see his mouth, but then they're like that. It's swallowing everything in his path. That's like the first like kind of full yeah. body shot with the eye opening horrifying. And also the eye like moves. There's like a scene yeah. where it's like squinted mm-hmm. kind of and it looks kind of mm-hmm. annoyed. Yeah. And there's also like there's like drool coming off of the ribs oh, and disgusting. stuff. And it's like, yeah, oh it's, yeah. It's gross. <laughs> Maybe they are supposed to be teeth. Rib they're just rib like teeth. Yeah. Well it seems like it like like as they like go further down, it's like they transition from being teeth to being ribs. So <laughs> I don't like how his tongue is still there. I feel like he shouldn't yeah. have a tongue. You don't need it if you have a big gut swallowing things, <laughs> a gut void. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's disgusting. It's so horrifying. <laughs> also, there's the creepy, like, envy neck face, the horse neck face, and the oh, hand, yeah. hand. Oh, about that horse. <laughs> I feel like. <laughs> what about that horse? <laughs> well, does it. It gives me. Uh, like Nina Xander vibes. I don't know if it's just because it has the mane that kind of looks like the hair and the it tail and like, the eyes. <laughs> Nina Xander? N- Nina X- Alexander? Oh, Nina Alexander. Yeah. I thought you said <laughs> yeah. Nina Xander. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's because of the creepy soulless eyes, I think. 
Yeah. And the hair. But I, I think also the hair, yeah, because it, it had a similar hairstyle mm-hmm. over the over But the horses face. have hair, like veins. That's true. That <laughs> not like true. dogs, but dogs don't have bangs. I guess they sometimes have bangs, yeah. but oh, horses definitely have bangs. <laughs> it's when the hair starts getting all pointy and yeah. more envy-ish. Uh... That's like kind of creepy. I just think it's the face with the long, creepy neck. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, like Envy's face, like coming mm. out of the horse neck, horse face, <laughs> horse face. And that like, reminds and me, the, like hoof turning into a hand. That's disgusting. Like... Oh yeah. Um, in the 2003 anime, uh, at some point they bring back Shao Tucker uh-huh. as a chimera. Oh. And he's like half he's goat like or something, kind of like a yeah, kind of like a satyr maybe. It's a life that he deserved, like, frankly. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I feel like he had a creepy Is long he neck like that too, didn't he? <laughs> Wasn't his head like upside down on his back or something? That sounds really horrifyingly was, familiar yeah. to me. Yeah. With the glasses. <laughs> That's how you mm-hmm. know it's him. <laughs> Are you googling it? Yeah. <laughs> oh oh, is this what? Is have this what it is? He's like on the back, like of... Professor Quirrell. <laughs> His head is like facing the other way, and so it like stretches out to face forward. It's bizarre. <laughs> WTF? Anyway, yeah, it's definitely the life he deserved. That's what I'm saying. I stand by what I said. <laughs> um, what were we talking about before? Oh, we're talking about creepy transportations and stuff. That's fine. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, they have that to deal with now. <laughs> oh, yes. You mean the horse envy the horse? Horse envy? Mm-hmm. Envy's there? Um, horrifying gluttony and horrifying horse envy. <laughs> the devil's horse envy, yeah. Did I call him a hellish horse? I can't remember. I think so. <laughs> Something like that. Like a horse ain't right. Yeah, no. <laughs> I definitely was like, why is there so much focus on this horse running on this cliff? <laughs> <laughs> it was very strange. I was like, "Oh, I understand." Like two two panels later, yeah, somehow I literally never noticed that. Because you were like reading before. the dialogue where he's like, "Fears are homunculus." Yeah. Oh my god! Knox said through grunts and like puffs of his cigarette. Um, There's sometimes when I was, go- I wanted to like describe the, the, his expression, and I was like, "Knox frowns," and I'm like, "He's always frowning. <laughs> it's not really a change." He <laughs> frowns a lot. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of a uh, weird weird uh chimeras and crap they still have dr marco so we had that conversation mm-hmm. with uh envy and dr marco which we haven't talked about yet yep mm-hmm. dr marco thinks he has it all figured out mm-hmm. and he thinks that the the blood shed is they have that their grand scheme is to turn all of amestris into a philosopher's stone which i can buy at this point <laughs> since mm-hmm. they have the giant vat already he's apparently uh, close, but uh, not, not quite. quite. I mean, they have a bunch of yeah. tubes going places, so maybe that's all part of this whole scheme of that's like connecting. Because like he basically his Dr. Marco suggests that they have some kind of crazy tra- underground transmutation circle or whatever that they're put built under a mistress, and then they have they're using the uh, at least that's what's implied by I think the visualization. I don't know if that's actually what he meant, but. Um, mm-hmm. That the next target is the north, so that they can complete the transmutation circle or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, apparently that's not quite right. Mm-hmm. And then they argued again about the village or whatever. But I mean, that was just a side note. Yeah. I like that. The like Wrath basically sent Gluttony. I mean, sent Envy to go get Gluttony. He's like, go pick up Gluttony. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, I hope he's not in a rage. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
but yeah, it's just another like. So Doctor Marco's still there, and I like how they have like little weird rat chimera things guarding him too. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Dog rat. It's things. kind of interesting that like, uh, the Furious seems to be like one of the younger homunculi since Greed didn't know who he was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's only he sixty. Some... <laughs> yeah. Um, but he seems to still like have some authority and stuff like. Like, Envy grumbles because he always grumbles, but still does what he tells him to do. <laughs> There's yeah. definitely some kind of pecking order. I feel like we talked about it before. Mm-hmm. Be- before. Before. The, um, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, Envy was kind of annoyed that the father uh, told Wrath to do something instead or whatever. And mm-hmm. it seemed like Envy's always trying to prove themselves or whatever. Gluttony yeah. doesn't seem to care. Sloth was tied up. Mm-hmm. And, like, mm-hmm. pride like is, like, kind of on top prior but now that she's gone it seems like wrath is kind it of definitely seemed like lust yeah. and and wrath were the favorites for sure wrath mm-hmm. had the, yeah. the duty of appearing human and whatever yeah. but now it seems like wrath has to take a more active role now that lust is gone it seemed like lust was like pulling the strings behind the curtain you know yeah mm-hmm. so i don't know what the deal is with that but yeah envy definitely usually listens to whatever the fear says to do mm-hmm. and they all pride made another appearance in this uh mm-hmm. this chapter which was interesting mm-hmm. Yeah, Pride doesn't seem to have. I mean, it's kind of hard to tell, but Pride doesn't seem to have like a form or like a face, kind of like a shadowy mm-hmm. person knee mm-hmm. shape. Yeah, we see like a little silhouette at one. They point. They seem to have a nose. We... <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Um. And really yeah, cheeks. yeah, cheeks, <laughs> little cheeks. <laughs> huh? It was interesting. So yeah, they have a very interesting conversation. Yeah, they do. I remember a long time ago, I was like, but why would the fear have any motivation to go against the homunculi? Is it because he's been around humans too long? I'm about 90% sure that I said that. And I was like, oh, wow, he just said that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> when I was reading it. Um, and it, yeah, he was, it was really interesting um, mm-hmm. because he was also like, oh, you know, I can't do what I used to do. And um, mm-hmm. I was trying to see. He said like, oh, I think the youth are, yeah, like. He said that um, he can't. Yeah, he can't do things like he used to do. And there's some kind of maybe that's pointing some kind of theme of you know like things changing to the new and like the younger ways. He's like all these young people have us running around and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. It's kind of mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and he seems to just kind of like be like, I'm interested to see what happens rather than yeah. like being mad that the plans are going awry. Mm-hmm. Like, all the rest of them seem to be. So. Maybe I don't care anymore. And then Pride's like, I'm going to not tell Dad that you said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good. You know what snitches get. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was interesting how the fear also was like, yeah, like, um, you know, everybody who got in his way, like the father got rid of. And it was like, he's kind of just been like living this. Um, he said it's like there's a script was provided for me. Mm-hmm. So, like, he kind of, like, had this whole path laid out in front of him. Like, maybe he's kind of like, fuck that. Like, I don't know, yeah. you know? It definitely seems like we're seeing this kind of an interesting side of the fear. Like, he may not be fully aligned with their plans. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he's kind of just, like, observing. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder if it's important that he's, like, he has these human qualities. He ages. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem to have the same presence. Um, so I wonder if he is more closely related to humans than maybe envy and lust were yeah maybe mm-hmm. yeah he definitely seems to have like a different like perspective and it does kind of seem to be like as a result of being among humans because even like in previous like conversations with the other homunculi he'd be like like oh i know how they're going to react to to these kind of things and stuff yeah he's someone who's on both sides 
it's a little mm. bit when you're when you when you play for both sides i feel like decisions are a little bit harder you know you can kind of like you can empathize with at having more understanding of what people are like and at the same time he's theoretically part of this plan but it's not yeah, like it was part of his like, plan you know it's yeah because like. he like he doesn't have the same distance that the homunculi have from it all because like you know like the um roy and them even talk about it they're like how can his family not know yeah that he's a homunculi it's like he has to you know he spends all his time around a human family and mm-hmm. Yeah, he has to pretend real mm-hmm. good, it seems, at least. Yeah, what seems to be a like affectionate family. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, they seem... From that brief scene we saw, like... They definitely don't... Like, the wife and son were both happy to see him come home, so... Yeah, it definitely doesn't seem like, um, you know, they're just, like, a family for show. It seems like mm-hmm. they theoretically have a relationship. At least that's what he's playing at, if he's yeah. acting, so... Yeah, this seems like they have a good sort of life. In theory, mm-hmm. what we saw briefly, so yeah, like he obviously still has a inhuman way of thinking, but I think it's hard to like stay totally detached if you're completely enveloped in like living as a human for most of your life, mm-hmm. and like maybe even having a child around and stuff. Like I think that kind of changes your perspective on things too. Sometimes, mm-hmm. um, like we saw him talking to his son and stuff. So, I mean, I don't know, whatever, but. We don't have a lot of detail about the Fury's like family life. We just know he has a family. So. Yeah, he's he has a family, and it they seem to be happy. Yeah. So yeah, but I liked their whole conversation. His conversation with Pride was interesting. It just shows like a there may be a internal weakness in the plan. Like maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't care as much about their success, collective success. There was a lot of stuff that he didn't do, and like people keep asking him about that. Pride is like, mm-hmm. will you let them capture Gluttony? And he's like, eh. you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. And like, uh, mm-hmm. Envy said the same thing. He was like, I thought you were going to take care of Roy, the the Flame Cardinal, or whatever. And they, Wrath hasn't done anything about that either. So, yeah. And even in like the previous chapters, um, like he seemed like genuinely impressed that like Lanfon got away from mm-hmm. him rather than mm-hmm. being mad about it. And he was like, oh, like, oh good touche. Like, and then yeah. he just left. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> Like, he could have tried to pursue them more, but, uh... Yeah, it's like he just kind of went, like, fair play. All right. <laughs> you can live for now. Us. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, without them cornered, I guess it wasn't as easy, so... And that was also when he said specifically, like, oh, I'm not able to do what I used to do when I was young or whatever, when they... Mm-hmm. To gluttony, so... So, yeah, I don't know. I feel like that's interesting. We're seeing a different little... A chink in the fears, uh, persona, I guess. It's kind of funny. It's like when the like Fear first showed up, you know, he was kind of a funny character. <laughs> yeah. And like when we st- got all the reveals, we're like, oh, he's not human. <laughs> and now we're like, oh, he's kind of human. Like it's sort of a. Yeah. He's not sort of not a, like, human. Reverse reveal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Reverse reveal. <laughs> he's definitely also kind of changing the story. Like I still don't trust him, but I do think it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't trust that. I'm not convinced that he's not working for the monkey lie because I do don't I don't see yet a motivation for him. That's strong enough. To actively Other... betray. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. guess. Yeah, I think... Like, it depends on what's in it for him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of seems like like he'd be interested to see what happens if they fail, but like I don't think he's like actively trying to make them fail. No, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like he's actively trying to help them all the time either. Yeah, like he doesn't seem to be fully in in it. The plan, mm-hmm. whatever the plan is, I guess he has like a country to run and like a family to have, and <laughs> you know he's just too busy to be fully involved in the plan. <laughs> yeah. 
but yeah, I don't know. I still, I don't, I don't think there's a real, like I said, I don't think there's a real, like, a motivation, you know, against them, but I still am not really sure what the, what's in it. We don't know what's in it for them all yet. Is yeah. he included in whatever that is? I mean, he's also, like, he's not going to live forever, so, you know, like, what's the point? Like, I don't know. It's very interesting. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Were you going to say something, Cosm? Well, um, I was going to move on to the conversation with Marco. Oh, okay. Um, uh, so I I was going to talk about something slightly different, but when he says you can't measure the worth of a person's life mm. with addition and subtraction and envy laughs, yeah, that's how you, humans think. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to talk about like humanity and stuff like that, but I realized something. Mm. That is literally how the homunculi think, right? You've mm-hmm. seen several times, oh, that's five times you've killed me. Mm-hmm. They're literally adding and subtracting their lives and like measuring, I guess, how much they have left and mm-hmm. like... And to them, that sort of, that is their life, is how many lives they have in them and things mm. like that. I don't know, I just thought it was interesting and mm-hmm. um, makes that conversation a whole lot, well, it gives, it gives it a whole different meaning, I guess. Yeah, mm. true. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Cool and interesting. Yeah. I don't know, the conversation is kind of interesting, like, I don't, I wonder what else is going to come from that, because... They're keeping Dr. Marco hostage, I guess, for their, like, sacrifice plans. Mm-hmm. But, um, he seems to know too much. But not quite enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think we've talked about it a little bit before, but in terms of, like, the, um, you can't just add add up people and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, obviously, a lot of discussion about, like, humanity and what that means and, like, yeah. connectedness to people and who's important to whom and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think it just kind of like adds to that, but mm. it's interesting that they're like, "Yeah, you killed me three times." It's like that is kind of, yeah, <laughs> in a way that is what life is to them, I guess. Yeah, so. and I think I, we've seen it. I think we've seen it from greed, or maybe it was uh, Wrath talking to greed, like I've killed you this many times or something. True. And then I think Envy said it to Lanfan. Yeah, Lust said um, it. I think to Roy, mm-hmm. or during that confrontation at some point. Something. Like- and I mean, I guess, I guess that that carries in uh, into the the sort of discussion of humanity and how they kind of aren't quite the same. Because um, you know, the the I guess it's a thought experiment or something like that. The you know, you've got the rail track that's going to go over five people, and you could switch it to go over the one you know old homeless man. Mm-hmm. Which one do you choose? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that is a very difficult decision to make um because of the humanity involved and um they kind of don't see that as a they don't think the same way right and i I feel like that's a core part of of humanity is is at least struggling with that decision right true um you may have your thoughts you may you may come to terms with you know if i were in that situation this is the decision i'd make but a is it really and b there's usually a lot of thought and like it, it's it's a very deliberate not maybe not deliberate maybe it's a very uh, probably the opposite it's like emotional yeah driven, right yeah um like you can't rationalize that decision in that kind of situation mm-hmm. envy is yeah. kind of like you could if you just counted up the numbers yeah that's the yeah. proposal but uh people value personal connection more than numbers Right. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, I don't know. They're not human, as they continue to prove over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Just sort of a follow up on last time, because we were talking about how Scar kind of for the first time had to really oh, yeah, we take reflection on his actions. Um, we, we talked about uh, Shaman, or uh, we talked about not Shaman, we talked about Mei Chang healing his leg. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, yeah, he had to reflect on the. We talked about how it. We alluded to last time how he was thinking about how he was taken aback by Winry. Mm-hmm. And then this time he was still thinking about her. Yeah. And he was literally like, is that what I look like when I am doing this mm-hmm. vengeful mm-hmm. Yeah, quest? I said something last time about, like, that seems like it's kind of like the first time he's sort of seen, like, his actions from the other side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be like, being on the receiving end of someone who's, like, looking at him with, like, hatred and vengeance mm-hmm. because of, like, some action in the past that he did. So. Yep. It definitely seems like a, you know, like, character development moment for Scar. I don't think we've still seen the yeah, full resolution yet, but... Yeah. Yeah, it definitely seems like it's kind of shaken up his, um... Resolve? Sort of steadfast belief a little mm-hmm. bit. As it should, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Yeah. <laughs> we only got to see him for really, like, a couple panels where he wasn't just, like, fighting them or running away, limping away. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. hopefully we'll get to see that more, I think. I can't remember what we were talking about, Winry. Did we talk about the fact that she's in love? <gasps> oh, we didn't! <laughs> That's yeah. so important! Mm-hmm. Ariel's in love. <laughs> supposed to say, Ariel, in love. <laughs> I used to watch Little Mermaid a lot as a child. <laughs> yeah, Winry's in- admitted it. She said it. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't even fake say it. Word. Like how, whatever last time I was saying, like when you say, when you notice their backs, that means you're in love or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then he put, <laughs> he put, Ed put his coat around her shoulders, which means they're in love. I was I was editing it and I said something like, uh, as far as I'm concerned, they've already said it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but when we actually said it. <laughs> mm-hmm. In love. Ed was like, yeah. next time I cry out, it'll be tears of joy. Also in love. Just saying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You can tell because he was so yeah. embarrassed. That obviously means he's in love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a really sweet moment. And I like how we've had that kind of thread of her like noticing his like like back in the couple of recent chapters. Yeah, it didn't really come out of nowhere mm-hmm. or anything. Yeah. And then like all her like little kind of flashbacks as she's remembering that are like several of them are like him from behind and then she sees them like walking away on the train platform. I do like the I'm just like, oh <laughs> Oh right. The flashbacks of him as a child being like, I need you to help me. One mm-hmm. one year. I'll do it in a year. Like kind of like mm-hmm. admiring his determination. Yeah. I thought that was sweet. Mm-hmm. And I guess caring about helping him. Mm-hmm. Um Mm-hmm. You know, like with the auto mail and recovering and stuff. Yeah. 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 Oh, there was one more thing about this. Um, on with with Ed being in love with Winry, um, it's when Lanfon asks for an <laughs> auto mail mechanic. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't think like the way he looks at his arm. Um. It just seems very fond, as if mm-hmm. he's thinking of her and, like, deeply in love, obviously, but <laughs> very expressively there. Yeah. And I don't yeah. know, I feel, I feel like we didn't talk about it that way yet. No. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a lot of moments that I, like, I love like that, where he, like, is obviously kind of, like, praising, like, his automail in a way that's, like, obviously about Winry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, there's, like, the bit, like, I think it was in the greed fight when he's, like, 
kind of coming to and he like flexes his hand and he's like after all this my arm still works my my mechanic sure is amazing mm-hmm. and stuff like that yeah did he say something to pinaco or did she just say like well he said i can tell it's oh, yeah, getting she- better i can tell it's she's working hard because my automail's better yeah. or whatever or pinaco yeah, said Pinocchio that said, like yeah pinaco said like she could tell that she's like learning a lot from there and just by looking at the automail and he like smiles fondly in the kind of the mm-hmm. same way as in this chapter, like down at his arm and is like, yeah, he's like, now that you mentioned it, it is better. Isn't yeah. It? It's cute. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really want his arm back. He likes the keys <laughs> he's gotten. Okay. <laughs> I need to visit Winry to fix my arm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just because I just want to see her or whatever. <laughs> yeah. It's a metaphor. Because yeah, I like you or anything. <laughs> huh? He's like, it's not like I like you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Just going to fix my arm. He said, also in a shonen Lee way. Yeah. Um, he. What are you going to say? It's a metaphor? Or what are you joking about? I was just joking. <laughs> like the fact that he'll like praise the automail. And not her. Yeah. And, yeah. And like when we're going to talk about the autumn, like, you know, I was joking, but I'm kind of serious. Mm-hmm. Like, I know. <laughs> the fact that and, like, when we like, you know, her like, scolding him for not taking care of his automail is obviously you know take care of yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it's there it's definitely their mm-hmm. metaphor for <laughs> talking yeah. about each other <laughs> mm-hmm. that's funny plus he she gave him she helped him get back on his feet literally mm-hmm. i remember i like the times where he's like he says like um i need you to i need you to be there so that i can you know, like stand on my own feet or something. I remember him saying that in one of the fights, or getting his after getting his automail fixed or something. Like, so he's acknowledged that I think, and he said that to her when with the gun too, didn't he? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like you gave me an arm yeah. and leg. Like, you've always been there to support me. Essentially, is the yeah. It's also kind of sweet looking about. back because, like, in the first chapters, what he says to Rose at the end is like. Like, you've got two strong legs, so, like, get up and walk forward. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's obviously, like, a thing he values is that, like, you know, she gave him the ability to do that himself. Yes. Mm-hmm. To not be dependent on other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They value each other. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> she values his determination, and he values her smarts and skills and emotional whatever. Mm-hmm. Everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. Her everything. <laughs> it's cute. Mm-hmm. When will Ed admit it, though? Who know? Only time will tell. Mm-hmm. It's like never. I mean, <laughs> it's like chapter one. <laughs> At the end, he's just like, "Oh, I like you." By the way, <laughs> and I always have. Any other things to say about these chapters? Not about how much Ed now or Ed now, Ed and Winry love each other. <laughs> no, I think I covered everything. Yeah. Okay. Right. What are we gonna talk about next time? Oh yeah. Yeah, there's gonna be another time. <laughs> <laughs> next At week, least one more. It will be chapters fifty and fifty-one. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Well, that sounds fun. I'm sure nobody, nothing bad will happen next time, right? Of right. Coins. <laughs> Horrifying nope. transmutations or nothing anything. bad. Well, Glenny's <laughs> still on the loose, right? So yeah, nothing bad can happen next time. <laughs> nope, not a thing. Nope. <laughs> a rampaging um homunculi that can't control itself. Yeah. 
that can like absorb things or suck them into the into some some place unknown mm-hmm. mysterious place i like how oh we didn't talk about it but i like how ed is like uh where does it even go and ling is like shouldn't you know like, yeah. <laughs> that's funny oh i did have one other completely random thing but i just noticed that winry has a lot of great den accessories mm-hmm. there's like a that scene where she has her bag that has a little den keychain like, yeah, I, I saw think that she had something else that had a little den on it before and i was like oh look <laughs> it's another den this is cute anyway that's completely yeah. random yeah. it's not relevant at all but it made me it made me happy mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway okay now i'm done all right next time next week uh, 50 and 51 uh thank you all for listening we thank will you. see you next time all right see ya bye 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 i'm ready for the dismemberment next time for me <laughs> <laughs> i'm never ready for the dismemberment next time. <laughs>